Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Looking over the middle. Hockey collapses. He takes off to the goal line. Touchdown, Stidham. Six the hard way. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. We are efforting Marcel Louis-Jacques talk all things Miami Dolphins. We're trying to get a little bit of a preview of what to expect from the Silver and Black and the Dolphins coming up on Saturday as the Raiders travel to Miami to take on the Dolphins and what's going to be for Miami preseason game number two, but for the Raiders, it'll be preseason game number three. So hopefully we are able to connect with Marcel sooner rather than later because we have a very tight schedule on today's show. I had a couple text messages I wanted to get to. On the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, we're talking about interceptions, talking about how many you think is a realistic number and who do you think is going to come up with them. Uh, let's see. Got a couple of really good texts right here. Uh, man, this one's from the 707. I think this Raiders defense has a much better pass rush than either the Giants defense has had, and the defensive backfields are similar, so I think the Raiders should be able to get 15 interceptions. By the way, the average of 15 and 11 equals 13. 15 plus 11 equals 26. Divided by 2 equals 13. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, mathematician. Uh, Marcel said call him again. So uh, there you go. We're going to call him right now. Uh, Thank you, 707 mathematician, for that. So 12, 13, I think that's what I said, right? I said that's around the average, right? <laughs> Jeez. Unbelievable. I love it. Uh, how about this text from Raider Ryan? Hobbs will lead the Raiders in picks. Think he'll be tested early in the season. Realistic pick number is 13 overall. So that's from Raider Ryan right there. So there goes that average of the Giants again. Uh, let's go ahead and hold on to that 13 number so we make sure we get it correct. Uh, one more text from the mailman Raider. Q, I'm going to get a bit, uh, get a bit bold here and say Devon Diablo leads the team in picks because I'm just this high on the kid and 10 picks overall for the team, which would be up from the number six that they had in 2021. Thank you so much for those texts. Right now, joining us on the phone lines, talk a little Miami Dolphins is our guy, Marcel Louis-Jacques from ESPN. And Marcel, thanks for your time this afternoon, my man. I swear I just talked to you two nights ago. Oh, wait, I did. <laughs> I just talked to you two <laughs> nights ago. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is good to connect with you again. And uh, the Raiders and Dolphins, they square up on a Saturday. It'll be the Raiders' third preseason game, but it'll only be the Dolphins' second preseason game. So what are your expectations? Who do you think is going to be out there? Are they going to treat this as a dress rehearsal, or do they wait till next week? Um, that is still unclear. So the thing about Mike McDaniel that uh, it, it's kind of funny, he insists that he does not go into a week with a predetermined idea of what he's going to do, that he it's really a case-by-case -case, uh, believer in the process. So I don't even know if Mike knows if Tua is going to play Saturday. My guess is that, yes, Tua is going to suit up for at least a series come Saturday night. Uh, this week's practice hasn't necessarily been quite as sharp as last week's the joint practice with the Buccaneers when McDaniel ultimately made the decision that Tua did not need the game reps. He was good enough at practice with his preparation and performance. But uh, otherwise, I would expect a lot more players uh, who will be in the starting lineup in week one to at least get some kind of run this time around. That includes Tyreek Hill. I don't expect to see Jalen Waddle. He's been held out of practice the past couple of days. It seems like if they're holding him out of practice for precautionary reasons, 
there's not a lot of reason to put him in the game. Uh, Teron Armstead, same deal. But uh, a few of the other guys, you know, I would expect that Jerome Baker, maybe Xavier Howard gets a few reps. Javon Holland gets a few reps. But uh, mostly I think it's going to be a heavy dose of Teddy Bridgewater and Skyler Thompson there at quarterback. You know, you were around when Brian Flores was the head coach. Now you're there for Coach McDaniel. What have you seen from Coach? He's the first-time head coach in the league. Uh, what have you seen? What has kind of the vibe and the, the energy been around Coach McDaniel? Well, that's the thing. There's energy around Coach McDaniel. I don't know if I necessarily sensed that with Brian Flores last year. Uh, just, I mean, from his, his mannerisms and press conferences, how he acts with us, his willingness to fully answer and explain questions, and if he doesn't want to answer, his willingness to explain why it, it is that's different, and that's just from our point of view, from a player's perspective. I think he's the kind of guy who he's not a big yeller, as he told us today. He's not really big into yelling. He'll do it, but he wants it to be infrequent enough that when he does, that his guys understand the urgency of the matter that he's speaking to them about. So he's he's not a big rah rah guy, but he is extremely intelligent. That's the first thing anybody who works under him is going to tell you is that he's a super genius. And I think that this summer, this offseason, has been about building trust, building trust with his players in that locker room that McDaniel and his staff are smart enough to use players in a way that extends their career, builds their brand, and makes them into the best possible football player they can be. And I, I think that we're starting to see that. I think it popped again during uh, joint practices last week. I think that was the first real example of, okay, yeah, when we're not beating up on each other, we can actually beat up on somebody else, including a, a Tom Brady-led team, at least for a day before Tom uh, left the team for personal reasons. But uh, I, I think he is he's fun to be around, and that's just from our perspective. He's fun to be around. He's fun to talk to. Um, he, he's not that prototypical football coach, but, I mean, he still is a football coach. He's a very smart offensive mind, and uh, I would expect that to show up on game day uh, come September 11th. I don't know how much we can judge him based on, you know, the, the players at his disposal in the preseason, but, you know, certain things tip the scale to the, the kind of coach he is. You know, for example, uh, they, they they intercepted, I think it was Blaine Gabbert, um, last week against the Bucks, and they're in plus territory, and right off the bat, he calls for a play action, double move, shot to the end zone, they end up scoring. That's the kind of aggression mm. that you would like to see out of an offensive-minded coach, especially one that's charged with revamping an offense that hadn't finished in the top 10 since 1996, the mm. longest drought in the NFL. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that, and you've been around the game and you've played the game, so you know, but it used to be a, a point, Marcel, when any time that there was an interception and you were in plus territory, even close to plus territory, you immediately took a shot on the next play. It's nice to hear that Coach McDaniel is, is, is signing up for that, and he, he has that uh, in his arsenal right there. Exactly. He is a believer in the classics, man, but uh, there will be some innovation, and then there's going to be a little bit of classic football. For example, Alec Ingold, who I know Raiders fans are very familiar with, yep. Alec Ingold is going to have a role in this offense. Like that is a, it, it's a dying breed, the fullback, but mm -hmm. not in Mike McDaniel's eyes. So I, I'm pretty excited. I think Dolphins fans should be excited to see just how he implements a fullback into this offense with so much speed and so much misdirection. 
Well, we know he's a he's a hell of a one, man. He's very talented. He's very athletic, as you very well uh, know, and you're seeing uh, firsthand every day in training camp. Again, we're talking with Marcel Louis Jacques from ESPN. He covers the Miami Dolphins like a glove here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. My man demond has got one for you. Yeah, a player that I'm interested in in Mike McDaniel's offense is going to be Mike Jacecki because him at the tight end position, is he going to be used more of a George Kittle or is he going to be more of a Darren Waller here in Vegas where he's mainly just a big wideout? You know what? I'm going to debut a hot take right here on Unnecessary Roughness. <laughs> I think Durham Smythe has a bigger role on this team than Mike Gusecki does. Wow. Uh, it, it, the experiment has not been going well, turning him into more of a blocker. He moved tight end in the NFL, played more in the slot than Mike Gusecki did last year, and that's not how they want to use him here in Miami this year, not his coaching staff, uh, to the point where – you know, it, it, it's really – I don't know if I would expect him even to run with the, the top group if they're not in 12 personnel. So I think in one tight end set, I wouldn't be shocked if it's Durham Smythe over Mike Gusecki. Smythe, who they gave a two-year deal to this offseason instead of a franchise tag like Gusecki, it, it's just he's more of a blocker. He's more versatile. Uh, he's not necessarily, a, you know, a name that's going to pop, a name that's going to ring bells. Uh, you know, it's not household or anything, but – I just I don't expect a big year from Mike Gusecki based on what we've seen in training camp, and I don't necessarily think it's a indictment against Gusecki's talent or ability. I just don't know. I'm not convinced so far that he meshes with this scheme, and I think that tied into the reason why they franchise tagged him instead of signing him to a multi-year deal. So, if Smythe is able to have a good season with this team, are we thinking that Gusecki's out? If Mike has a good season with this team, then I think he, he I think he stays. If he proves that he can be that 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 hybrid tight end, that block first but still threat at receiver, then I, I think they do sign him because he's homegrown, he's a leader on the team, and he is a mismatch. Uh, he's a mismatch for safeties and linebackers. But if, if he can't buy in, if he can't grasp his role as a blocker, I wouldn't be shocked to see them trade him, even. I wouldn't even be shocked to see them trade trade Gesicki before the beginning of the season. It, it, it's gone kind of so poorly from from our perspective, from my perspective. So, but I'm not in the I'm not in the front office. You know, that's Chris <laughs> Beer's job. It's Mike McDaniel and Chris Beer's call. But uh, I'm just saying right now, this is debut of the of the Durham Smythe hype train here on us unnecessary roughness. It's so funny that you brought him up, though, because when I, I was in Central Texas, and uh, he's a Belton guy, Belton, Texas guy, and so I've always kind of followed his career. Never thought I'd be talking about him replacing uh, a tight end with a pretty big name and a franchise tag that he's holding. So that's interesting right there. So I, I'm, I'm glad that you broke that here or, you know, brought that down on uh, Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now, Marcel, as far as the offensive line, you know, the Raiders are kind of in the same position. They're trying to mix and match and get that offensive line solid. Uh, they brought in some guys. You know, Armstead, you mentioned, has been held out of practice. Connor Williams was brought in. How is that offensive line coming together for the most part? Well, the funny thing, if you ask Dolphins fans at the beginning of the offseason, they would tell you they needed five new offensive linemen. They were the worst pass-blocking unit in the NFL. Uh, decent run-blocking unit, but really they struggled to get anything going, and that's why that offense was, was so poor last year. Uh, this coaching staff, though, they came in, they watched the tape, and they said, they weren't used properly. There's talent on this offensive line. They just need to be, they they need to be nurtured. You know, they need to be they need to be put in position to succeed, and that's not something they thought the last staff did. 
they look a lot better, especially in pass protection. That run blocking, ironically, has gotten a little bit worse from my in my perspective. Um, it, it could be a little bit of Miami's front seven is just is is stopping them. It's good enough that it's it's hard to look good against them. But uh, I think as pass as far as pass protection goes, it's been an improved unit. They've tried to move Connor Williams over to center. Red experiment is experimenting right now. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's going. I wouldn't say it's a, it's it's final by any means. I think they're they're committed to him there, but I don't think that he's a finished product quite yet. Uh, had a couple high snaps today. Uh, I think he had a few more yesterday as well. That's been kind of an issue. Nothing errant so far, but definitely there we've come to expect some off-target snaps uh, every practice. So you know we'll, we'll see if he can improve from there. If he not, then they do have last year starter Michael Dieter still on roster. Well, you know, before we let you go, we've got to ask about the trigger, man. We've got to ask about Tua, the most accurate dude, according to Tyreek Hill. What have you seen from Tua? Uh, has it been up and down, or has it been pretty solid from Tagovailoa? It's usually been, he's usually been pretty solid, and he is, he is very accurate. Uh, today, this week really hasn't been his best week, I would say. Uh, I think you, if you Google Tua's name right now, you'll see that he's thrown five or six interceptions this week. I think that, you know, the context is important there. He threw three yesterday. They were all in, uh, like, two-minute long-distance situational drills where, you know, defense is basically playing prevent and he has to push the ball downfield. Mm. Uh, the offense's excuse for it, or I guess explanation for it, is that practice is a time to figure out what you can and can't get away with. I guess he learned. <laughs> uh, today, these picks weren't very good either. Uh, I One, I will absolutely put on him. No situation, no nothing. It was Tua's fault. He threw to Durham Smythe in double coverage. Devon Holland picked him off clean, took it to the house. So I think it's, uh, I, I think that he's had, his, he's had his down days, but when he's on, uh, man, when he's on, I think that he can be, he can look like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. It's just a matter of how consistently we're going to see that on switch. All right, Marcel, I've seen a couple of videos from practice, so I've got to ask, who had a bigger presence at Dolphins practice today, NBA championship-winning head coach Eric Spolstra or YouTube boxer <laughs> Jake Paul? <laughs> I'll put it this way. We didn't wait. Uh, we did not wait in the sun for Tua to finish running routes with Eric Spolstra. Uh, we, we, didn't, we didn't wait for him to finish throwing passes to Eric Spolstra you know, after practice. So uh, I would say it's probably Jake Paul. He's got a pretty sizable uh, entourage with him. Uh, I'm sure we'll see the content from it afterward. Uh, he's been really everywhere. I, I swear I've seen man. We've been in the same place the past, like, three days in a row. Uh, I covered a store opening with Tyreek Hill on Monday. He was at the Marlins game I was at yesterday, and I practice here. It's like, man, you're following me, bro. I don't, I don't know uh, – I don't know if I'm comfortable with this, but uh, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been a busy week at Dolphins practice this week. I can tell you that. There you go. Well, it should be interesting. I won't make the trip to Miami. Got some radio shows I got to do on Saturday. But, uh, Marcel, I know we'll catch up and we'll link up on Friday and do a show together on the network on ESPN. So I look forward to it. I appreciate you, my man. And, uh, like I said, I look forward to talking to you on Friday. 
Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. No doubt about it. There he goes. Marcel Louis-Jacques right there from ESPN. ESPN NFL Nation covers the Miami Dolphins like a glove. And honestly, we, we did a show together on Monday. Monday night, we were fr- filling in for Freddie and, Fitz- and Fitzsimmons on uh, ESPN. And we're going to do the same thing on Friday. So uh, pretty cool, man. That's a good dude right there. Uh, a lot of fun to work with. And uh, he's great at, at his job, which is covering the Miami Dolphins like a glove. 317 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Get back to your calls and texts. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Talking about interceptions, talking about turnovers, something that the Raiders need to create in 2022, steal a couple possessions, especially from the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos. Want to make sure they get a couple more possessions, give themselves a couple more opportunities to get into the end zone, not field goals. But, hey, if you create a couple turnovers a game and you have to settle for a field goal here and there, that's okay because you're stealing a possession. They only had six interceptions as a team last season. That's not going to cut it. We all know that. They know that. So we're looking at, and I'm asking the question about realistic interception numbers for 2022. And let's take it a step further and who's going to be the leader in the clubhouse when it comes to interceptions. And I'll say this. I go back and look at Raider teams from year to year to year to year. I think the last guy that I could really count on as far as a, a Raider player to come up with a bunch of interceptions is Charles Woodson. I mean, seriously, it's Charles Woodson. When he returned to the Raiders and he played a couple years at safety, you had a pretty good feeling that 24 was going to come up with some interceptions, and he did, right? I mean, he just he was that guy. And then after that, it was, uh, what, Reggie Nelson? Reggie Nelson was the only other guy, and Reggie Nelson spent half of his time getting burnt. But when he didn't get burnt, he came up with the plays. I mean, that was the thing about Reggie Nelson, right? It was like feast or famine. Reggie Nelson would come up with a big play, and you're like, oh, man, that's what the Raiders needed. And then he'd give up a big play, and you're like, man, you stink. That's just the nature of the beast. It was, that's that's kind of who he was. he was. Everyone knew he was older. He was a little slower, but he was still smart enough. And, you, and this is what I have to give him credit for. He was smart enough and veteran enough to know where he needed to be most of the time. It's just the times that he wasn't where he was supposed to be is when you saw the back of his jersey and you're like, oh, damn, that's all bad. So go ahead, Demond. All right, Q, you said then that gave me a laugh. Charles Woodson, that's the last player you can think of. Like, yeah. ha-ha, maybe not so much making fun of the team, but I went back and I checked out the numbers. Yeah. And since 2015, Charles Woodson's last season with five interceptions, he has tied for the lead for most interceptions in a season since. That's... With Reggie Nelson, he also had five <laughs> the previous There it is. Look at that. Look at that. And that was just off the top of my dome. How about that? That tells you all you need to know, right? That those were the last two dudes to come up with a decent number of interceptions. Think about that. Five. The Raiders had six as a team. A team a year ago. Can't happen. It's got to be. It's got to be double digits. It's got to be. I said 12. Our mathematician said 13 based off what the Giants have done. I love that. That's great. I, I, I will never forget that one. That is so awesome. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> right. My man didn't check me. That was great. I loved it. That was awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm going to like write that down and put it on the wall at the house so I make sure I can reference it anytime I want. But that was a great text. Anyway, uh, every once in a while, I like funnies, too. So uh, we're asking the question to you. At 702-365-9200, also the Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. 
Who do you think is going to lead the team in interceptions, and how many is a realistic number? Uh, got a couple. Let's see. I already did the uh, – oh, this one from the 916 just says, I'm going to say Trayvon Merrick. It doesn't say how many as far as a, a team, but Trayvon Merrick is going to be the, the guy that's going to lead the team in interceptions. Uh, that's cool. Uh, let's see. We got – I think I already said Raider Chavez in 916. I agree. I believe Nate Hobbs will lead the team in interceptions this season. I believe we have a future pro bowler in Hobbs. Uh, yeah, so that was him. And then another one, Hobbs will lead the Raiders in picks. So Hobbs is getting – uh, a lot of love there. So I'm getting a lot of uh, text messages about Nate Hobbs leading the team. And uh, that's who you said, DeMond, right? Uh, Nate Hobbs. I can I could totally see that. I can see that just because, uh, you know, he, he's he's that that guy. And I think he's going to be right up there. And he's going to get targets, especially early in the season. I think teams are going to test him. And, you know, when you brought up that point, I think that that was a really good one. Um, Raider Homer, I think I already told you. Yeah, I did already told you Raider Homer. He said 17 interceptions. Trayvon Merrick is going to lead the team in five. Uh, Ernie said on Twitter, I believe that if the Raiders would have had 14 turnovers last season, it could have been an easy difference of two-plus wins. That's uh, that's pretty big. Uh, and then Will asked about Trayvon Mullen. Do you think that the fact that Mullen is back for the Raiders is a big deal, or do you think he missed too much time in the preseason and has fallen on the depth chart? And, uh, Will, I do think that Trayvon Mullen coming back is big. One, because he had to be back before the 23rd. If he didn't come back by the 23rd, he was going to be out at least the first four weeks of the regular season. That would have hurt. I think that Trayvon Mullen, he has the goods. I know Raider Mack is not a big fan of Trayvon Mullen, but I think he has the goods. He's just got to be on the field. And last year, we remember he played in, what, five games? That's not going to cut it. Now, before that in his career, he's been pretty healthy. He, he doesn't really miss games. What he's missed in the past is he'd leave the, the field for a play or two or like a series, and then come back on the field. So he didn't really miss a bunch of games. He just missed a bunch of games last season. So when you think about it, you're like, oh, man, Trayvon Mullen, he's, he's injury prone. Yeah, last season he definitely was. I think that he can get it done on a consistent basis, but as Raider Mack always points out, he's got to stay on the field. And all we remember is him not being on the field. So that's, But I do think it's a big deal, if anything, to provide competition in that cornerback room. You know, getting Trayvon Mullen and Rocky Sin back today, I think was a big deal. Nate Hobbs, you know what he brings to the table. You know, there's other guys. Anthony Averett, he still wasn't back. I don't think that that's good for him. He needs to be back at practice. So uh, just getting guys healthy, I think, is a big deal regardless, just so you can have some extra depth on the team and extra competition on that team. Joining us now on the phone lines is our guy, Brian Salmon. We definitely uh, appreciate him as always. And Brian, you're not boxing right now. What's going on? You're not doing any boxing? Man, uh, first of all, I appreciate you having me on, Q, man. But I, 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 I sparred yesterday, and uh, I'm sparring tomorrow. My body can't take it, man. I'm getting hit in the face too much. That's not a good thing. <laughs> no, you're a TV <laughs> guy, man. You can't be getting hit in the face. You're a TV guy. <laughs> I wear headgear, and, and my guy who, you know, who I spar with, who's he's a professional, he goes like 50%. So he's not trying to make, you know, he's not trying to beat the heck out of me. But, I mean, he's still hitting me with good body shots, and he'll still tag me every now and again. So, <laughs> Hey, well, <laughs> I'll say this. Better you than me, brother. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want nothing to do with getting sparred, punched, knocked out. I don't, I don't need any of that, man. I, oh, I got to get to funny. work. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I feel you, man. I mean, Jesse goes out and uh, he's only sparred once, though, but I mean, Jesse goes out and trains as well. But, man, 
it's a it, it's a lot of fun, man. I mean, I actually, I land a couple shots too. I mean, guy, he's not letting me hit him for the most part, at least not in the face. Um, <laughs> you know, so I mean, my my instructions when I go into go spar is to hit my opponent as hard as I can, and he's going like fifty percent. So, okay. but I never can touch him. Right, of course. Well, that's that's how it goes, but that's all right. Hey, I could appreciate you're just out there, you know, go, going and, and having some fun and doing it and, you know, doing something that I'm not willing to do. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking right now with Brian Salmon from News3LV on Twitter at BrianNews3LV, and that's Brian with a Y. I want to talk to you about – the conversations that you get to have with Eric Allen and the fact that this Raiders team under a new regime, new coaching staff and everything is really trying to put this team together in preparation for that September 11th game, starting the season with the Chargers in L.A. What is it like, man, being in studio with Eric Allen? Uh, I got one opportunity to do that for the draft, and, and just I feel like picking his brain is awesome, but just having that weekly breakdown with Eric Allen, man, what is that like for you? Well, you're right, man. It's something that uh... – that a lot of people that cover this team don't get an opportunity to do to just chop it up with him. And when you're doing it off camera, so, you know, you build a type of relationship with him that he'll tell you the truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, it, it, it is, it's phenomenal. Um, we've had talks about one, like Patrick Graham, the new defensive coordinator. Eric went out there to go watch one of the first practices, and he said he spent a lot of time with defense just to kind of get an idea of how he's coaching up the guys and, the way that he, you know, he's talking to the players and just to see how the players react, uh, it, it's really good to kind of get that sense of, um, you know, like it gives me an opportunity to know what I'm looking at when I'm looking at the defense or, you know, uh, what, what type of defense they may try to run, being that the fact that, okay, uh, when Graham was, you know, before he came to the Raiders, he was one of the guys that allowed the, least, the, the third least amount of long pass plays in, in the NFL. So he doesn't give up the big play. That's something that'll happen. He's big on preaching turnovers, which a lot of guys are, but he coaches guys up on how to get those turnovers. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's really an opportunity that I, it's um, something that I, I, I love doing. I mean, plus E is just the coolest dude ever, man. Like he's, he's a Hall of Famer, should be a Hall of Famer, yeah. and he's not. And if you look at his numbers, which I've done, they're right up there with the Charles Wilsons of the world and, and a lot of the players that are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, you're right. And uh, I always say that EA is not in the Hall of Fame because he wasn't flashy about it. He wasn't real boisterous about it. You know, it was he just went about his business, right? And so uh, yeah. I, I feel like that a lot of people forget how good he really was. But it's funny you brought up turnovers and he talks about turnovers because that's what we've been talking about today. It's been the theme of the show really is turnovers <laughs> and the fact that the Raiders only created six interceptions in 2021, and that's just not going to cut it. And, you know, Eric has told me that his his – previous defensive coordinators when he was in the league was like 20 you got to have at least 20 interceptions this season <laughs> and and they would go do that you know that the defense as a unit they'd go and get at least 20 and that's how they they kind of you know they pace themselves but as far as creating turnovers in and, and you mentioned Patrick Graham teaches the guys how to create them how did uh, did Eric go into more detail about how exactly like how do you teach going and creating turnovers outside of just being instinct one of the big things that he talked about is guys knowing their assignments, if they're in, in any type of zone coverage or any type of coverage in which they're supposed to patrol a particular area, that Graham is, is very, very good. And even, excuse me, McDaniels, but I mean, Graham is very, very good at making sure guys know what area of the field and what their assignment is and not 
not deviating from that assignment, trying to do too much. Do your job. Do your job and trust that the guys will, will do their job. So if a guy is supposed to drop 15 yards back and, you know, three yards over, then he's definitely going to drop three yards back and 15 yards over and – or 15 yards back and three yards over. Right. So if there's a pass that's going in that area, you'll be in position to make that interception instead of being too close to the line or being too far inside. That was one of the things that we, we talked about that really kind of stuck with me that, uh, that he's noticed. In, in, in Graham's coaching, the fact that he's really, really, really telling guys, you know, this is this is how you get to – this is why I'm telling you to move in this position because if you go over here when he throw that pass in the flat, you'll be there to get it. Um, that, that was one of the more interesting conversations that we had about creating turnovers and just guys being very sound defensively. Talking again with Brian Salmon from News 3 LV here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And I'm glad you mentioned that. It's like you keep teeing me up for everything. Jerron Harmon, you saw him on Sunday. You saw Jerron Harmon on Sunday tip the ball against Minnesota. Almost Jayon Brown almost came up with an interception. Today in practice, Jerron Harmon tipped the ball. They did come up with the interception. He's a guy that is always exactly what you just said. He's, uh, you know, 15 yards back, three yards over, exactly where he's supposed to be. Mark McMillan told me that's from film study. Like, he's been studying enough film. He knows exactly what to do. So with that being said, how valuable do you think a Jerron Harmon is going to be since he knows what it looks like, he's been there, done that, and you can already see it paying off in practice? And he's been a part of the Patriots, and he knows yep. all about He knows all about do your job. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, really do your job. So I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be essential to the defense and a guy who's been through it. You know, I mean, he knows what the heck is going on. He can help the younger guys, the Nate Hobbs of the world that, you know, you're kind of talking about the Trayvon Mullins of the world. I mean, just guys that, you know, the Jonathan Abrams, guys who haven't necessarily been through what he's been through um, that are just in the defensive backfield, whether it be a safety or a corner, he can help. I mean, he, he's seen he's seen it all for the most part. You know what I mean? So right. I, think that, I think that's going to be essential. And like you said, he was in position – to tip the ball and not catch it because, you know, DBs on the Raiders seem like they don't, they're, they're fearful of catching the ball. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. uh, Yeah. But I mean, he's in position and you can't ask for anything. Well, you can't ask for, you can ask to catch it, but still being in position, you got to do your job. And that's, it's, it's, it's key. Yeah, Brian, when it comes to some of these DBs not catching the ball, my pick for who's going to lead the Raiders in interceptions this season is going to be Nate Hobbs. Do you think yeah. that he's going to have a bigger jump in that production and in interceptions from what you've been able to see in talking with EA? Do you think he's going to have that breakout role this season? See, now DeMond's teeing me up, like almost <laughs> like if we have the synergy right now. Right. Uh, I don't know. If, <laughs> exactly. I don't know if you saw, but I had an opportunity to do a one-on-one with Nate Hobbs after the Vikings game at Allegiant Stadium. Being in a locker room, which was so much fun. It's yep. great to finally be back in a locker room. But um, I talked to Nate about his second season, just one, how much more comfortable he is in, you know, playing defense, being in the NFL and everything else, training camp after a second season. He's like, man, it's like night and day. Like I, his comfortability, which is, you know, one of those five dollar words, is right. much higher than it was last season. And one of the things that we brought up, I brought up to him that he said was just invaluable was the battles that he's had with Devontae Adams uh, in, in training camp, Hunter Renfro, you know, the Darren Wallers of the world, but mainly Devontae and, you know, just how much he's learned from him and how Devontae is kind of giving him respect, you know, for, for doing a, a, a decent job as well as you can on one of the best receivers in the NFL. And he said that's been huge, huge for his confidence. And as far as ball skills go, come on, man, and, and Q, you know, 
that Nate Hobbs is one of those guys that has some of the best ball skills on their team, and he's got very good hands. So, I mean, he had an interception in his rookie season, a ball that um, I can't remember whoever the DB was that hit him in his hands, but the, uh, Nate was right there to kind of scoop up the interception. So, uh, I, I can agree. I think that Nate should be right around there, man. He's a ball hawk. Yeah, no, he's really good at what he does, and uh, I'm excited to see what he does in his second year uh, with the Silver and Black, especially under this regime and coaching staff. And, and Brian, before we let you go, from what you've seen at training camp, just the you know the way that the coaching staff is not only coaching but teaching these guys what to do, the, the mix of veterans as opposed to the young guys, because I think there's a good blend of that. Uh, what, what are your expectations for this defense? How much better than, can they be than what the defense was a year ago? I think the defense can be much better. The One of the, the areas that Eric and I talked about that they're really going to have to um, you know look for some guys to step up and, and kind of show themselves is on the defensive interior defensive line. Um, you know they're going to need some guys to 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 tackle running backs and to keep them from getting to the second level to keep you know to keep guys um, from having to make tackles. You know, further like four or five yards down the field every time. That's going to be a key. And one of the guys that he he thought was going to hopefully be a big key um, was their their first round pick that they had a couple of years ago from Clemson. Escaping. Oh, um, um, what's my call? Uh, the top pick on Clee? the defensive line, Clee. Yeah, Clee. Yeah. Um, he's going to get an opportunity hopefully to, to get in there and 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 do a little something something, but. Basically, the interior defensive line is going to be a key in how they do. The defensive backfield is pretty solid. Linebackers are, are, are pretty good. I mean, the man who's always wearing the, the scully, you know, <laughs> had, a, had a career year last year, went to the Pro Bowl. So um, it, I, I think the defense should be improved, much improved, especially because of the coaching that they're getting with their defensive coordinator. And they've been on the uptick. You know, since the last, what, two years ago when they had the worst defense historically in the NFL. They had nowhere to go but up. Right. All right, Brian, speaking of all this DB talk, yesterday we had a good conversation with your tag team partner, Jesse Merrick. So I've got to ask you, in a one-on-one drill, who you got? Q Myers defensive back, Jesse Merrick wide receiver. I got to go with Jesse. What? Just on on youth alone. Um. You got there. He's. He's younger, and he's going to be faster. I mean, Q, if you told me 10 years ago you were Jesse, I, I, I'd say, okay, cool. You guys are, are closer in age. I mean, Jesse is in pretty good shape, and obviously, you know, he played wide receiver in college and all that other kind of good stuff. Um, but just on, just on youth alone, not because I think he's better than you or he's got better technique, anything like that. He's pretty strong, Um and I'll find out how strong we go spar tomorrow. But, uh, <laughs> man, you supposed you supposed to go with me just because, man, just because, I, just on GP, man. I agree. I agree. I, I actually said yesterday on the show that Jesse will get me on the double move. Like I'll I'll be with him in the first move. The double move is what's going to make like my hip go one way and my kneecap go the other way, which is not which is not okay. But you're just supposed to roll with me anyway. You're supposed to yak yeah, you. I, I believe in you, even if you don't, man. Come on. Well, how about this, Q? I'll, I'll say if you guys are going 10 routes, then you can go ahead and you definitely can stop four in a 10, 10 route. Okay. And, and, and 40%, 40% is not bad if you're talking about, you know, guys, uh, you know, going against you one-on-one. That's not too bad, no? No, look, 40% is great if I'm in playing baseball. So. <laughs> 
But uh, 400 is good. I know I'm an all-star. Hell, I might be a Hall of Famer, you know, so I'll take it. So it's all good. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I agreed that uh, Jesse would get me on the double move. So he might get me a couple times on the first move once the knees start getting a little sore. But, uh, you know, that's that's that old age kicking in, like you mentioned. I got him on the hair, though. I got him on the hair. I got the waves. He, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? You can take him on like a two-yard out. So if you can get, if you can get up there and get press coverage, get your hands on them and use the old man strength that we have, then you can definitely you can definitely do a little something, you know, impede his progress. <laughs> there you go. That's all I need. Give me that. Hey, look, coach, I got him for two yards. I got him. I'm your guy. <laughs> I love exactly. it. I love it, Brian. What do you got coming out, man? That we need to be on the lookout because I know you got a lot of stuff in the, that you're working on. Well, the big thing, uh, not necessarily the Raiders today would be the Aces, man. You know, yep. tonight is, I know you have Paloma coming up in a little bit. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we got the Aces, man, their first playoff game. I'm getting ready to head down there to go do some live shots and nice. talk to some folks. Hopefully I get a chance to uh, grab Mark Davis while I'm over there to talk to him, man, because he's – I talked to him after the game inside Allegiant Stadium, man. He was pumped about his Aces. And you already know he's always pumped about them. So I, I want to get his take today. Nice. Maybe if I can see Darren Wall over there, man, I can get him. Because, obviously, he's the best – he's the biggest – the biggest, literally, uh, Aces fan that's in the building. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, we're definitely going to be cheering on the Aces. We'll be rooting them on. We'll be paying attention. And, uh, yeah, so, so we'll be seeing you on the screen. I know we will because you got it covered as well. So, uh, Brian, thanks so much for your time, my man. It's always great to catch up with you. Enjoy the game this evening, and we'll talk soon. Probably see you at, the, uh, at training camp tomorrow. Yeah, my guys, man, it's a mind, man. We need to talk about that day. UFC coming up. Kamara Usman. I mean, I, I got Usman and Edwards on the show on the show tomorrow. Oh, I got to be listening. Okay, well done, my man. Well done. <laughs> there he goes, Brian. Appreciate you, brother. All right, guys, man. I appreciate you having me on, Q. All right, no doubt. There he goes, Brian Salmon, right there. That's our guy, News Three, Las Vegas. Does a fantastic job. Him and Jesse Merrick. We had Jesse on yesterday. We have Brian on today. Check Brian out on Twitter. Brian with a Y, B R Y A N. News 3 LV. 344 is the time. Come back. Hit your text messages. Hit your calls. 702-365-9200. How many interceptions is realistic? I love the little breakdown from Brian of what EA was saying about the teaching and the expectations of doing your job. You'll be in position to make plays. So if they make plays, how many of them are they going to make? Give us the number of what you think is realistic and who do you think is going to lead the team in interceptions. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Snap. Handoff. Brown. Dives through. Six hard. Touchdown Raiders. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. 348 is the time here on Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. We're going to have Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 News talking all things aces coming up at 430. we got plenty of time right now for some calls and texts. 702-365-9200. Coming up at 4 o'clock, you'll hear from Raiders offensive line coach, Coach Carmen Brasillo met with us following practice today. Got a few sound bites from him and a couple from T. Billy as well that I want you to hear. But like I said, want to hear from you again at 702-365-9200. We've been talking about turnovers today on the show. We were out there at uh, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and we were on the defensive side of things. So we really saw a lot of the defensive drills as opposed to the offense like we are when we're on the other side of the field. So sometimes they have us on one side. Today they had us on another. So uh, really kind of focusing in a lot on defense today. So uh, I've, I've picked 
Jerron Harmon to lead the Raiders in interceptions. Uh, I think he's going to have around four. DeMond, you picked Nate Hobbs. You had him around four, but we want to hear from you. Again, 702-365-9200, Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. What's a realistic number for the Raiders as a team to have in interceptions? Both me and DeMond said 12. They only had six last year, so we're going to say that they double their production from a year ago, but we want to know what you think. So uh, Mailman Raider, Raider hit us up. Uh, Q, if you got Harmon on interceptions, you taking him on passes defensed as well? And not necessarily. Not necessarily. That, I can see a guy like Nate Hobbs, especially playing on the outside, I can see Nate Hobbs having more passes defense. I just think that a guy like Deron Harmon is actually going to come down with more interceptions. So uh, that's how I'm going to roll with that one. Uh, got a text from the 909. Nate Hobbs, he's got Seawood energy. I can see that. I can totally see that. I uh, got a text from the 408. I'm going to say Perriman will lead the team in picks because I took him up on his offer and gave him some pointers. <laughs> That's a funny one. And someone who doesn't know the background on that, uh, everyone talked about Denzel Perriman and his, his struggles in coverage. And so I don't remember what if it was after the game or after the season, but uh, Denzel Perriman said something about, yeah, uh, I, uh, yeah, I struggle in coverage. You got someone needs to come out here and show me how to do it. So that was like his little smart remark when he was uh, headed to the Pro Bowl. Was that right after the season when he said that? Yeah, I want to say it was probably around Pro Bowl week. Okay, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. That was exactly when he said that. And, uh, he, of course, he was up there laughing. Matter of fact, it was at the Pro Bowl. That's right. It was at Las Vegas Ballpark, and we were all kind of hanging out talking to him. That's right. Sure was. Good memory there, DeMond. Uh, and then we got another text from the 707. We've been having a lot of fun with this guy, uh, or whoever it is. They don't have a name on it. Uh, and I apologize for calling you from the 707, but that's there's no name. Uh, I didn't realize that knowing fourth grade math made some someone a mathematician. I definitely wasn't trying to correct you. That's going back to DeMond telling me that the Giants had 15 interceptions one year, 11 the next year. And uh, so I said, oh, okay, there you go. It's about an average of 12, just around that number. Anyway, uh, the texter from the 707 actually did the math on it. It was 13, so I was off. But it's no big deal. I don't. It's Honestly, it's not a big deal. It's all good. I, I appreciate it, and I, th I thought we were having some fun with it, so – uh, there's that. So uh, anyway, you can you can chime in with anything you want. Uh, you don't have to correct me. You can or you can correct me. It's cool. <laughs> I mean, whatever's on your mind is fine with me. Uh, I appreciate all the feedback, regardless, good, bad, or ugly. And uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, fourth fourth grade math is is what it is, Devon. I what mean, I love the. I didn't try to correct. You know, I wasn't trying to correct you. I mean, but he definitely did the whole math problem on the text on the text line. I mean, literally the math, the whole equation. You know how they say in school, write it out. I want to see how you got to your answer. <laughs> Show me your work. Yeah, because I used to come up with the answers one way or the other. I came up with the answers and I'd get docked because I wouldn't actually show the work. I wouldn't write 15 plus 11 equals 26 divided by two equals 13. Like I wouldn't show the process. Right? It's a process to get there. I wouldn't show that, so I'd get in trouble. So, you know, uh, again, it's all good. I'm not mad at you at all. That's that's uh, that's good stuff. Uh, got a couple uh, tweets, and a couple people like Ricky tweeted at me asking about my thoughts on Tyree Gillespie being traded for a 2024 seventh-round draft pick. And uh, my answer to that is, I mean, you get what you can get. Right? I mean, someone's only as valuable as what someone's willing to give up for him. And I think that Tyree Gillespie is obviously a guy that was on his way out. I, I think there's no, no doubt about that. And the Tennessee Titans said, hey, we'll give you a conditional seventh-round pick in 2024. GM Dave Ziegler took it. You know, maybe maybe he pans out in Tennessee. 
Maybe he gets a little bit of playing time, and the Raiders ultimately turn that into a seventh-round pick in 2024. Maybe he doesn't, and then they get nothing out of it. But clearly, if you, tra- if you get traded for you know, a bag of peanuts, then you, you were on your way out. I mean, and, and I'm not trying to sound disrespectful, but if you get traded for a 2024 draft pick, a seventh-round pe- draft pick in 2024, you were on your way out. There's no doubt about it. I think it's a little bit with the Raiders with this recent history of hitting on those mid-round draft picks. I think that some of the fans maybe thought, hey, man, this may- maybe this season would have been his season. He just needed that extra shot, you know? Maybe this new regime was going to – I'm just giving it from the fans' right. perspective because you never want to admit the players that your team drafted. Well, you, t- you can always see the, the production there, but you never want to say, oh, that guy sucks. Right. No, and, and, you know, and fans and even, you know, even us, you know, we get in our mind who we think could be a player. I thought Brian Edwards had a chance to be a player. GM Dave Ziegler decided, hey, you know what? No thanks, but no thanks. You know, that's not the guy that, that we think we could take the next step with, so they moved him to Atlanta. Look, they're not connected to anybody except for the guys that they've drafted and the guys that they brought in as free agents and the guy that they've given contract extension. They're not connected to anybody else. So if they look at a guy like Tyree Gillespie, who was a fourth-round pick just a year ago, and says he's not going to cut it and what we want to do, they could just move on from him and say, not our problem. We didn't draft him. So they turn it into a conditional seventh-round pick a year from now, 2024. Fine. You know, I mean, it's just it, there's nothing you can do about it. it. It just is what it is, you know. And there's other guys that they're going to have to make tough decisions on as well. I mean, right now they're at 85 guys on the roster. By the 30th at 1 o'clock, they've got to be down to 53. So there's going to be some guys that are some young dudes that maybe they just need extra time to develop, and maybe they turn it. Like Brian Edwards in, in Atlanta might end up being a good player, but the Raiders aren't looking for maybe a guy who could be a good player. They're looking for a guy who's a good player right now that could help them win games. They're not looking for might a good player, right? They're not looking for a guy that they could slowly develop. What they, what, the guys they're trying to slowly develop, those are called backups, right? I mean, like a, a, a Jarrett Stidham. A Chase Garbers, guys like that. I could see those guys as being, well, let's see if we could develop that guy. Not the starting quarterback. The starting quarterback's not a guy they're trying to develop. That's a guy that's established. Starting wide receivers are guys that are established. Edge rushers, established, right? I mean, they're not, there's not a whole lot of trying to develop that are out there uh, competing in a major way, right? So I, I, don't, I don't blame this regime for trying to make the moves and set this team up for success right now because I think that's what all Raider fans, regardless of what we agree on or what we don't agree on, I think that's what all Raider fans want is success right now. 3.56 is the time. We'll come back, kick off hour number three of the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.